0: welcome to in the hunt podcast we will bring clarity to the complex game of golf start your path to better play today this is brian bailey from charlottesville virginia and i'm joined with mark sweeney from windermere florida and we welcome you to the hunt welcome back to In the hunt uh this week we're going to do something a little bit different uh due to the worldwide shutdown uh thanks to the coronavirus Uh, We're going to go ahead and create a roundtable. We were planning on talking about the Players' Championship, and that's not going to happen because they only played one round. So what we're going to do is we're going to introduce our our coaches' Roundtable, and I think roundtables are important as a coach to broaden your experiences and to help you become a better coach. You need to surround yourself with a bunch of like-minded individuals that will push you, that will challenge you, and make you better coaches. And this is one roundtable I really rely on. So the first person is, of course, our co-host, Mark Sweeney. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, Brian. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a weird week uh, without any golf to watch or any new developments in golf, so I think there's a of stuff we can talk about as far as uh, practicing and preparing over the next couple months while people are getting ready for the next tournament.
0: Yeah, it's really definitely a weird feeling speaking with a bunch of players that are strung out all over the world, uh, basically kind of in limbo, trying to get better, so when the seasons do kick off again, they'll be up and running. Um, so, uh, like I said, today's episode will really uh, – focus in on performance and how to get ready in this off-season part, or (laughs) extended off-season. We have two coaches that are joining us from across the pond, uh, fitting for the St. Patrick's Day. Uh, First, we have the Englishman, Jamie Donaldson, uh, putting coach uh, inside of England, uh, Aimpoint senior
2: um, coach. How are you doing today, Jamie? I'm good, thanks. Uh, Greetings from the UK, Uh, and obviously we're all experiencing similar sort of uh, times right now, so interested to see the, the way this all pans out for us.
0: All right, he's, you can see he's the happy one. And then <laughs> from, that, <laughs> from that, we're gonna jump over to Gareth. Gareth, uh, he's joining us from Ireland. Um, once again, a coach, aim point instructor, but really does a lot of work um, with with studying uh, how people learn and, and how the brain works. So Gareth, welcome.
3: Brian, thank you, and Falchá uh, Asira, hello from Ireland. It's, uh, it's been the quietest St. Patrick's Day I've ever experienced here. Um, but I'm hopeful that maybe this is just what we need to do right now to get through what's going on. Let's all do it together and, and come out the other end. And in the meantime, let's record some great material. That <laughs> sounds
0: good. Sounds good. So uh, let's jump right in here into our first question, and we'll start with Mark Sweeney. Uh, in, in kind of your experience, do players focus on the right things when they try to improve for their performance? Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, I see it all the time. I ask players kind of what they're doing when they're when they're not with me. You know, when I haven't trained them, train, they sometimes they'll go away for a month or two and come back and you ask them what they're doing, and it seems like a lot of times they're just doing either drills they're comfortable with or a drill they saw online or something. But it rarely seems like there's a plan for uh, developing certain skills. Um, it, it's pretty rare that I see a player who actually says, "Yes, here's a certain skill I'm trying to develop." I'm going to work on drills that contribute to developing that over the next three months, and I'm going to actually track what's going on. It tends, it tends to be much more kind of band-aid fixes, whether it's full swing or putting or changing their putter or changing their grip. Um, it doesn't seem to be uh, as a, um, a, a clearly defined strategy for improving their game.
0: So A lot of times, more so treating symptoms, if something's going wrong, fix the symptom instead of maybe even digging down and figuring out what the root cause is and, and moving on from there. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, it, it takes it takes um, commitment, and it, it takes uh, you know you have to
1: build a plan and understand what you're trying to change and why, and you have got to get the time. There's there's not a whole lot of things that you can change instantly with golf. You can make things bad really quickly, but you can't really uh, improve them really quickly. Generally, it usually takes a commitment of you know three six months to really really permanently change a performance metric. Very
0: good. How about how about you, Jamie? Uh, any insights on this?
2: Yeah, you know I see. There's a lot of fads and there'll be people trying things because they see it work for someone else. We've seen a lot with, um, you know, grip changes. Uh, also you see it in the equipment market where someone wins one week using a certain style of putter. And then you've got a lot of people trying it. Um, you know, I think there's, there's too much, uh, fishing going on, as opposed to people realizing at what stage in their development they're at, whether they're overcoming an issue and just moving back towards performance. Maybe impatience sometimes makes them question what they're doing. So uh, I think people don't always understand where they are on the scale of change as well.
0: Very good. How
3: about you, you, Gareth? You know, brother, I guess I would answer your question with a question, which is, do these players know... And more importantly, understand what the key contributors to their performances are. Uh, my experiences would say probably not. They, they, they kind of respond week by week to what's happened the week before, or they, they talk in the locker room. And as Jamie and Mark have alluded to, there are patterns that are appearing, be it grip changes, new product, et cetera, but they're not really following their own plan, their own map. Um, yeah. And therefore, they don't really at a deeper
2: level understand what actually creates their performances. And, you know, just sorry to jump in, it's also the, the urge for performance, the, the, the instant, instant um, change, that there's a little bit of impatience in when it's going to click or they need it to click now.
0: And, and yeah. yeah, like I tell a lot of my players too, to be great, it's boring. It, it's doing what you need to do time and time again to be great and not mm-hmm. chasing that the new grip, the new equipment, the new fad um, mm. So I always say, to be great, a lot of times it is a very boring existence.
3: And I think a, a lot of players have trouble with that. I think Brian, Mark made a key point um, when he said that people people tend to do what they're good at, and they tend to do more of what they're good at. And, and also, there's huge comfort in, in familiarity. And we're seeing that right now around the world when people are being brought out of their, their comfort zones in terms of routine. That's very disconcerting. So it's much easier and possibly... More likely that people will stay with what they know and are good at and actually go ahead and make the requisite changes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. uh, We'll we'll parry to a new question here. Uh, We'll we'll start with Jamie Donaldson. Uh, Do you players really know their scoring capabilities opposed to kind of their dream round or their dream game?
2: Uh, I think they don't know. And obviously, um, the the first thing that uh, really uh, alerted me to that was was Gameforge, um, and the kind of what we call the DNA of scoring, um, being able to understand chances uh, created and the conversion rate of them. If we look purely at putting, um, I think uh, when you, when you speak to players, um, there's always a story involved with their performance. There's a time when they putted great, or there's a there's a memory of holding maybe a couple of long putts to momentum going or they'll, they'll do things at certain times and then attach uh, perhaps a feeling to that or a or, or an awareness um and being able to just boil down from putting how many chances you create and your conversion rate on those has been extremely telling for me um i think there's there's too much story involved uh so yes having a having a a DNA of scoring and, and having the facts and the average facts, not the weekly facts or the, the the couple of great rounds when you can mix it up with good and bad rounds and, and have a season average. Um, I think you can really look into that.
0: So, so when you get that email from your player, go, I got this figured out. I just shot five under today. And then you kind of look at it and go, yeah, but you made every putt. And, you know, yeah. but your averages say that's not going to happen again. So...
2: And, and to be fair, we're, everyone's looking to average out, aren't they? And, and you'll have good weeks and you'll have bad weeks. Uh, but perhaps, you know, maybe a quicker answer to the question was they remember the bad, they remember the, the great, but the average is really what we're interested in.
0: Very good. Gareth, uh, any insights on the kind of the disassociation between what how they're playing and the great round?
3: I, I guess, Brian, I think people will tend to overestimate how close they are to maximizing their scoring capabilities. Um, One is a self-protection mechanism whereby they don't really want to admit they are X distance away from it, and also because maybe they don't know how to interpret or analyze the data that, you know, up until now, Game Forge, this this hasn't been available to us. We haven't had this situation where we can look at this week on week and start to compile the average, as Jamie said, and, and work off that and say, well, here's what we need you to do based on this. We can get you to your score, your current scoring capabilities. That's not to put people in a box and say that it is their scoring capabilities. It's just their current scoring capabilities. And I think that's important as well.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, think Gameforge has done a really good job on that for me as well. Just um, saying that there's kind of guardrails you got to stay between. And, and you can't be super strong in one thing and expect to be the world's best. You've got to be really good at a lot of things. Now, you can be superior at one thing, but other things have to support that. It, you can't have these big gaps. You can't be a great ball striker and not be able to putt or a great ball striker and can't, can't chip very well. You know, you have to be adequate enough to kind of to move the chain. And that's what I really learned inside game board is it's the, the pathway to be great is not that big. It's really kind of threading the needle. And uh, I think for a lot of players, kind of like Jamie said, when they, when they have that great round, they think they got it solved. And you're kind of like, that's just a bit of an outlier. Uh, Mark, do you have any insight? Yeah, I mean, when we talk about averages, what a lot of people don't realize is that a top 10
1: in the world player is only about a half a shot better than your average tour player per round. Um, so overall, they're, they're not dramatically better on average. Uh, they just have the ability to go low more often. They, everybody's got the good rounds and their bad rounds. And as Jamie said, I never get too worried about a single round or even a single tournament. Um, and you can't be too reactionary worrying about just a bad tournament because we see every single player does that, with the exception of Tiger Woods in his prime, uh, was the only guy that was top ten every time he played ever in history, probably. So um, I like to look at, as far as player potential, I really like to look at how many birdies they generate, and I see players going out there making four or five, six birdies around but are shooting one under and are complaining about it. And the, real, the reality is when you're generating that many birdies, uh, you really just have to get the other cylinders firing, which is just bogey prevention. And then suddenly your scores will drop dramatically. Uh, and that's a very different profile than a player who makes, you know, two birdies and one bogey around versus I've seen players who make six birdies and five bogeys around. Um, everything does have to work. You do have to work all pieces, but the, the players who can really go lower already, making a fairly large number of birdies or just getting too
0: many back. Nice. So kind of a spinoff of that, Gareth. Now I'm, I'm a player and we, we just had this conversation about scoring capabilities and kind of the magical round. Uh, how could you, like, inside of golf, are most golfers doing a developmental plan? Like, I'm trying to get better over, over a period of time. Or, again, I think a lot of golfers react to the simple round, the single, this happened today, I need to fix it today, kind of reactionary to a recent performance. Where do you find the blend on that and how to how to get a better the player better um, so they
3: can kind of reach their potential I think you will have players who certainly would would um, sign up to a long-term development plan Brian but when it actually comes to it you know you walk off a golf course you're emotional the most recent events are the ones that are are in the forefront of your mind you, you want to get that out of your system and so they tend to be reactional even though they intend to be Proactive in terms of their own um, performances and indeed their, their trading plan, and it's it's difficult. I, I think it's key that you let people work this out of their system. So if they want to go in, and do whatever it is that hurt them the first or the last round of place, right? Um, let them work that out of their system. Be that at the start of a session or be that as a bonus at the end of a training session. But in the but in the meantime, you have to be working on you know what, what is current and attainable right now what differences can you make where's the low-hanging fruit that will get you to those averages that jimmy and mark and, and you and i just spoke about um in, in terms of a mid-range session where you know where are we going to be in six months or a year's time what skills need to be developed what skills need to be need to be confirmed or strengthened and then you look at the three to five year goals what are they and um, is everything that you're doing today building towards those three and five year goals
0: how about you, Mark? You work with a lot of uh, touring professionals in the EU. I imagine you've seen the gamut of uh, how they train and, and kind of long-term and short-term thinking.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very hard to keep them uh, long-term thinking because, they're uh, again, they, they react to short-term failures very, very quickly. Um, and I've seen players that were doing everything right and on the right track, and then I've seen them a month later and they changed their grip because they had a bad round. Um, which is not what we want to do. But, but, I, but I think it's very hard for, for good players not to do that. They, it's hard for them just to ignore a bad round or a bad putting day and, and just stick with a plan and, and develop your fundamentals and keep moving your, your moving trends in the right direction. Um, it's something I fight with constantly, probably with almost every player I see. I mean, some are, some are better than others, but um, it's, emotionally, I think it's very difficult for them because it's so frustrating when you play a 4 round or a 4 tournament. You know, your your instincts are nothing's working. I've got to change something, or I got to change everything. In some cases, we see some players
0: do. Uh, and Jamie, uh, you being a premier putting coach in in the UK, uh, having players on all different circuits, uh, how do you how do you encourage them on long term growth and not to kind of, you know, allow that one round to to affect what you guys are really trying to build?
2: Having a plan, and and being a you know, for me. Uh, I've started getting all my guys to uh, to write our goal setting in the front of a, a book, uh, which they'll bring with them. Uh, and when we sketch out our, and if things are adverse, not going the way we want them, we can go back to that first page and say, look, this this is where we're at on our on our step by step process. Um, I think we we talk a lot, but when you've got it written down and you've got your intentions listed out in front of you then it's something you can always come back to. Um, it's very easy to, to coach and forget what you've said, to make a deal with someone. And, and you know, I think writing it down brings a whole new level of intent. So do players stick to a LTAD model? Uh, nowhere near as much as they should. And, um, you know, I've had situations with players where, they, let's say they're, they're, they're feeling like they're in a bit of a slump and they'll have just stopped using the line on the ball or they'll stop, uh, part of the process, let's say, curve visualization, using drop point, or maybe even something to a aim point, maybe changing the way they've done it. And, and they, they can't actually explain why they've changed, but they've just done that. Now, whether it's they saw someone else do it a different way, or they've just tested it on one putt, made a putt, and thought that's the way forward, it's difficult to tell. But, you know, the LTAD model is, is definitely the winner. But implementing it is the challenge
0: now I love I love the fact of journaling and having players actually sign their name that's kind of an ownership level takes it a different way when you put your signature on and you own it at that point the one thing you own your whole life is your name um so I love that aspect and we're talking about players how to get them better but let's kind of parry to us as coaches over the past year or two how has understanding performance and maybe even Gameforge helped you in coaching and helped you become a better coach uh, we'll go ahead and start with Mark Sweeney, one of the inventors of GameForge. Ah,
1: yeah. Well, I um, <laughs> uh, it, it completely completely transformed me as a coach because um, prior to GameForge, very very few, if any, of my students would actually keep any kind of stats or metrics. Um, even the even you know outside the PGA Tour, where whether kept automatically, but even then they wouldn't look very often. They would maybe just look at rankings, which is dangerous to look at. Yeah, I had no you know I had no insight into what. What was happening when they were gone and, and they'd come back and they'd shoot one over par and complain but you, as a coach you don't know you don't know it's a ball striking problem the putting problem the scrambling problem you just don't know um and so with game forge now it, it sheds light on all that and so i start every single session looking at the metrics that we've been targeted for our long long-term growth and making sure they're still moving in the right direction and as long as the kind of month-to-month average is moving then, then we stick with the plan um, that's something I never did before because I didn't have any visibility in tracking somebody's growth on an individual skill level or an individual metric. Um, but it's also made my coaching much more efficient where if somebody's just having a problem, you know, with puts inside six feet, we just go work on that. We don't waste our time on something that they're already uh, have a strength in.
2: Very good. How about, how about you, Jamie? Well, I've got to say this because, because Mark and you are there, but it's, it's been huge for me. Um, and. You know pretty much exactly what Mark said, but for me uh, personally, I've started to band the different putts. So before putting was just putting, and it was just that's what stroke looks like, that's what speed looks like, that's what start line looks like, and and for me putting was probably extremely one dimensional. But but now that we're looking at whether it's um, putts for par or putts for birdie inside eight feet, putts for birdie from nine to twenty feet, um, they they. There's a different value to them, in my opinion. And certain putts need more technical, correct. Uh, Some need better aim. You know, some need the whole lot to work well. So being able to take the skill of putting and to now uh, to to break it up into different uh, pieces of the same jigsaw has been uh, key for me. Um, Like Mark said, you know, we we might just be working on the 7 to 12 foot putt for par. If a player's got a good birdie conversion rate, but when they don't chip inside six feet, they're not converting the next putts. A seven to 12 foot putt for par is a very different feel from a nine to 20 foot putt for birdie. However, historically, we've always tilted people the same way. Um, you know, one of the tests I do with uh, using Gameforge is I will look at their impositions, which is the amount of shots they hit inside 20 feet. And, and subsequently they're putts for birdie and I'll lay them out on the green and I'll say, go for your life, see what you can make. Now, if it, you know, once they've once they've made those putts, theoretically, we're let's say five or six under par now from them. Now it's time to play some chip and putts. And now the, the putts that they're playing are to stay at five or six under par. So it's got a brand new feel to it. Whereas if you just drop a ball at six foot and say, let's see if you can make it, it's, you know, bef- I don't know what I thought before, but now I'm thinking this is for par, this is for birdie, and there's definitely, you know, you'll look at conversion, people do make a lot of those seven or eight-foot putts for, for par, um, and quite often the, the, it's more painful missing a an eight-foot par putt than it is an eight-foot birdie putt. Very
0: good. I'm, I'm, we might have to steal that game and put that inside a game for Jamie. I like that one.
3: Uh, hey, You're Garrett, uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, I think this really comes down to efficiency in that as a coach, I'm much more efficient than I can see where, they, where the performance gaps are or the knowledge gaps are in a player's repertoire. And and also, you know, Brian, we, we see a lot of golfers mindlessly hitting golf balls in training, be that on the putting green chipping bunkers practice. It's just this concept of block practice and just keep beating it until you figure it out. Um, Pareto's rule says 80% of what they're doing is not really of huge value in the 20% that's where they're getting an 80% return on what they're actually learning and doing. So we want to make their practice much more focused and efficient, um, give them an understanding of why this stuff is so important to them. Um, and also, you know, this is key, I think, and this is where Game Forge is just so helpful. With the with the concept and the data that we're starting to see acquire, huge freedom comes with that knowledge because you are free to go and practice that, what you need to practice knowing the other stuff in the background has got you you're fine your foundation is strong um, and you therefore can practice and you can regulate your training sessions in a manner which means you're always making some tangible improvement
0: i like that i like that a lot and then uh i kind of view it the same way um i was a lot like jamie we're doing putting we're going to work on this this and this and not bringing it all together i think i think what game Forge has really allowed me to do is say there's a technical component and we can define that by hitting certain numbers, different parameters. But there's always a performance part that we have to go to. Um, golf is about performance, mm. it's about scoring on the golf course. And I think a lot of times, I think a lot of players, and even me as a coach, uh, did a poor job in getting them ready to perform. We were working on the wrong things. We were working on maybe building a skill, building a, a stroke, building whatever that component was, but we lost sight of, can we get the ball in the hole? Can we score? Can we go play this game? And I think uh, Game Forge for me has really provided a a much greater insight on what a player needs to do and gives them a path on how to do it. Um, So those are the main four questions we kind of came about in the system. Uh, Mark and I have been doing these podcasts here for a couple weeks, so hopefully people are getting to know our humor and who we are. And since you, you, Jamie, and Gareth are new to the system, I went online last night and I said, all right, I'm going to play a rapid-fire game with each of you. I'm going to ask you just five random questions. And then you're going to. Have them. They're clean. Dangerous. It is dangerous. Uh, remember, we are recording this. We will be sharing this. Um, but more so just to kind of get insight on, on you as people, more so than the golf coach. So uh, who wants to go first? I'll go Harris.
3: first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I knew the English guy would bully me. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. This is McShay. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. First question fill in the blank. I want to travel here in the next 12 months. Antarctica.
3: Anywhere.
0: (laughs) Somewhere. Antarctica. Stop bullying him, Jamie. Your questions are coming. Sorry. (laughs) All right, question two. Gareth, say something cool. Something cool. (laughs) Very good. All right, Jamie's going to be so much more fun. All right. Oh, my uh, God. are, are, Are you a firm believer in asking permission or begging forgiveness?
3: Begging forgiveness. Oh, easy.
0: Easy. Man that has a pub, <laughs> two, two doors down from his house. I get it. Uh, from a scale of one to 10, how good are a driver of a car are you?
3: I'm going to say 10, but the people in the road around me are saying one.
0: One, <laughs> We'll go ahead and add, and again, go to show you averages. He's a five. Be careful with average. Uh, what book are you reading right now and any suggestions for people to, out there to read since they're going to be kind of a quarantine here over the next couple of weeks?
3: Um, uh, I'm reading two books right now. I'm reading George Orwell, 1984, and I'm reading a book called Failure, which is um, by a scientist who, who explains how important failure is for scientists, for scientists and science scientists to keep making progress. Um, both of them I can, I can really highly recommend. After that, you know, reading is such a personal thing. I'll wait for your, bro- oh, you know what Brian, I'll wait for your boot to come out and I'll plug it all day.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> coming out any week now, hold on, <laughs> all right, all right Jamie, are you ready? Yep. Jamie Donaldson, you were standing at a bar, what is your go-to order? Beer. Beer, yeah. nice. Certain certain flavors? Uh,
2: all of it. All of it, fair yeah. enough. Uh, what is your favorite holiday? At Sweeney's house. I mean, when when I go to the conference working.
0: (laughs) It's a lot of beer
2: also. Is it the
0: Windermere wine and dine?
2: You see this,
0: uh, the wine and dine. All right. All right, Jamie, describe yourself in three words.
2: Wow. Um, (laughs) That's one word. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, <laughs> well, I'll do that right if next you want. Question, please. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'll come back to you on that
0: well, one let's circle back. all right being, being a good Englishman what is your favorite type of tea
2: oh it's got to cool. be PG tips all right
0: very good all right um question for, you want to you got three words yet or you want to come back no come back to that one all not right not clean <laughs> question <laughs> five what what movie no matter what's happening in your life, when it's on, you see it, you sit down and start watching. Stepbrothers. Stepbrothers. (laughs) All right, and and since everyone is kind of locked down as well, (laughs) do you have any streaming suggestions for uh, people over the next couple weeks?
2: (laughs) Don't do it, Jamie. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna tell you now that um, I just watched a, a series on Netflix called Daybreak, which is a, an out, oh my God, it's really not the best time to be talking about this, but it's like a apocalyptic <laughs> outbreak film. <laughs> but um, it's funny.
0: Again, like we said at the beginning, he's the happy one.
2: Um, <laughs> very good. Uh, Mark Sweeney, you I, have it? Any- no, go I've, got, I've got my answer. I've got my three words. Let me yeah. hear Describe me in three words. Dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. Mark Sweeney, you have any uh, things you want to close up here before I shut the show down?
1: No, I think the biggest thing for, for players to remember and coaches, too, is, is don't get so reactionary to um, short-term failures. and you really, have, you really have to have a solid plan, not just, so let's get your swing better, get your numbers better, um, but very clear performance metrics, which has to go deeper than just scoring. Everybody wants to score better, but you have to be able to break that down into the components and see which component is holding you back, and then have a plan that attacks that, and then monitor that over time. If you're not monitoring over time, you don't know whether you're being successful or not.
2: Nice, like, Jamie, some uh, closing arguments here, and make sure well, you put yourself. Yeah, I just put my hand up, but I just realized we're on audio. Our um, I, I technique alone doesn't get it done. That's it.
0: almost three words, too. That would have been perfect. That's Jared, my message. <laughs> do you have anything for
2: it, I think locked up.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: He's on full lockdown. He's
0: on
1: full lockdown. The, oh, are and the country has come to a halt.
0: <laughs> they just shut down the internet in Ireland.
1: Here,
0: here at first, it shut down the internet in Ireland here. Um, <laughs> we we want to welcome, thank everyone for uh, uh, joining us uh, in the hunt. I want to thank Jamie Donaldson, Gareth McShay, uh, Mark Sweeney thank you. as always, um, as we uh, kind of make light of a tough situation that we're all in. Um, We look forward to hearing from you next week. Uh, Keep sending ideas of different show topics. Uh, We definitely are going to have time to kill, so let us know. And I want you to make sure you reach out and find Jamie Donaldson in Europe, uh, Gareth McShea in Ireland, and, of course, you have Mark Sweeney and Brian Bailey here in the States. Thank you all again.
2: Thank you very much. Stay safe.